Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey listeners, if you find value in this podcast and would like to support this project, please consider signing up on Patreon, where you can support the show on a monthly basis in exchange for some extra content and behind-the-scenes updates. Just check out the link in the description or go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. I'd love to see you there. And now, on with the show, here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. We really did it as a fun thing. But yeah, I think if we had have sat and thought about it, and it could have been one of those dreams that just never happened. So yeah, yeah just doing it uh, and trying out that, that uncomfortable idea of a really huge life change. Hey, if you don't like it, you can just, you know, you can go back to land. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. In this episode, I talk with a professional couple who made their Liverboard dream happen so fast that even they were surprised. Now they work remotely from their boat while fixing it up here and there, and they have kind of also found the Holy Grail, a liverboard spot in Vancouver. My guests are Jacqueline and Mark, who are behind the Instagram account called Heart Departure. With their two dogs, they have embraced the lifestyle and learned to sail along the way. We talk about learning to sail on their own boat versus doing a liverboard course, and by the way, they did both, so they are well informed to compare these two approaches. And we also talk a little bit about sailing in the busy Vancouver area. And yes, they do share how they scored their marina slip in one of the most sought-after cities. Here is my chat with Jacqueline and Mark. Can you like talk me through your story of how you actually became liverboard sailors? 
sure. We never planned to be live aboard sailors, really. We planned to sail on our sailboat and yeah. obviously travel full time on it. But we never in- originally intended to be live aboards. And I guess it started, we took a trip to Mexico in 2021. And it was outside of Puerto Vallarta and there we were just in a bay and there was these people that were living on their sailboat. And a guy told us, um, he said, Oh yeah, those people, they just bought a sailboat in Seattle and sailed it down and they're just traveling around. And I guess before that we didn't think yeah. that people did it. I don't know. It just, we just, it was never something we thought about. And then as the week went on, we saw like there was a family living on a trimaran. Uh, there was a lot of people living on catamarans that winter. And so we came back and we're like, Oh, let's buy a catamaran. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think the the idea really was hatched over some uh, Mexican moonshine yeah. called Resia that we actually, we have in the table that our laptop's sitting on right now. And yeah, I don't know what it was. Just we were out and kind of enjoying this kind of nautical lifestyle. We had we had gone in this tender to this weird little uh, beach town called Chimo, and uh, yeah, we just kind of hatched it, and it seemed like a really good idea. And I guess it just stuck. Yeah. But really, this was the buying a boat and sailing at places, not necessarily the buying a boat in uh, a little over a year or under a year from that point and moving on to it. So we it was a, it was supposed to be a five year plan. We yeah. were going to learn to sail and continue learning to sail, save up money and buy a sailboat, probably in somewhere warm and then just cruise around, not buy a sailboat, turn around and buy a second sailboat. And then move on to it within a year. Yeah. And the, the catamaran thing really did fall apart as well once we saw the price. Oh, it, yeah. So. Once we found out we don't have catamaran money. I totally can relate to that. Of course, I I love watching Gone with the Winds on, online on YouTube. And I was like, oh, catamarans. And then you go on Yacht World. It's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not good. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned that it was supposed to be a five-year plan because you wouldn't believe the beautiful spreadsheet and Gantt chart that I have that has our anticipated starting date in 2026. And, you know, currently four years ahead of schedule. I also had a Gantt chart going um, of uh, that waterfall chart just is nowhere near. It's way above ahead of schedule, unlike any other project I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. When does that ever happen? (laughs) So you referenced, you know, a short turnaround in less than a year, and now you're already on your second boat. So What's the story there? Did you always intend to buy like a, a starter boat? Was it intentional? Or did you come to realize like, oh, this is not the boat for us? Or what's the story there? Well, we were going to do a uh, a sailing course uh, with one of the local um, charter companies and like a, a, a live aboard, like four day live aboard thing, which we eventually still did. But we were, we we're really like gung ho. We really wanted to get started. So we had booked it for April. So April came around last year and no sailing. Uh, COVID shut it all down. So I just kind of got it in my head that I was going to buy a boat for us. And it was going to be the nicest boat for the cheapest cost that I could get. (laughs) Uh, I quickly realized that uh, moorage was an issue. So it had to be then cheapest boat with moorage. And that became the mission that we would get that and be taught on our boat. So that led us to our first boat, and then yeah. we found a guy on Craigslist who gave us a sailing lesson, and off we went. Yeah. 
And uh, how was that learning on your own boat that was all new to you and learning something entirely new also, essentially with your, was it your home at that point? Were you living on that boat as well? No, yeah. we, st- we still had a very, our, our little condo uh, yeah. in North Vancouver. It, it's funny. Um, I feel like we, we sort of lucked out with our first instructor because he was this incredibly uh, positive guy who just kind of came on and he was like, this boat's awesome and it's, it's wonderful and it's, it's everything you need. <laughs> um, and really we, we got onto it and we just started sailing. Um, my, I've said it many times. I think sailing poorly is really not that hard. You just, you learn your, your points of sale and you can kind of figure it out uh, just by staring at the sails. But yeah, that the first guy was awesome for that. And then our second guy who we've subsequently spent a lot of time mm-hmm. with, uh, he's kind of our... He was a uh, dose of reality. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, because the boats, the, our first boat was pretty rough. It yeah. was... Um, I think we referred yeah. to it as a floating death trap yeah. a lot. A lot, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was great. I, the first guy didn't teach us how to dock the boat. Um, so that turned out to be a a problem that turned out to be a problem later on so then we got a second lesson that focused on docking the boat and that when that guy came out he said oh you know he pointed out all the things that that needed a lot of work you know there were there were rotten bulkheads the um if you would tack you could see the mast shake violently (laughs) and we never worried about hurting the boat Uh, so it was great we sailed around all summer we never worried about hurting the boat you know it was an incredibly fast, it was really like it was fast. a little coastal really racer boat. So it was really fun. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, we did not learning how to dock was kind of interesting. And the transmission was backwards on it. So uh, push it forward and it would go into reverse and vice versa. Yeah. So, so yeah, my first time docking at the marina, um, I, I took out our dock box. Luckily, it was only the dock box. It really didn't hurt anything else. Uh we were able to kind of put it all back together, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an experience. So that's my my true fear right now is always uh, you know tight maneuvering. So that's what I I spend all my time researching and thinking about. No wonder it is. I have never docked a boat, so and it just sounds terrifying considering what could be at stake you know whether it's your boats or someone else's boats or everybody else's boats so yeah I, I can sympathize there and uh what a good way to learn though you know kind of a low risk scenario and in, in the sense that you know something happens to the boat it wasn't a two hundred thousand dollar boat <laughs> you know it's already a bit rough so that's all right so that's that's a good learning boat yeah we were kind of supposed to keep that boat for a couple of years as well. So yeah. that was, that was also the plan. We would fix that boat up and sell it because it was, it had good, a lot of good things going for it. We just definitely needed a lot of fiberglass or a lot of core deck core work, but I thought yeah. it was up for it. But yeah, you then again, ahead of schedule upgraded to a different boat. So how did that come about? Did the boat just happen to be on the markets or... When we came back from Mexico and we went, so we went 
boat crazy during we had to quarantine for two weeks so all we did was watch gone with the winds and all the all of the youtubes we watched all of them we went boat crazy and we called a boat broker uh, actually the same one that the cruising meraki family used and so we called max and we said oh we want to look at some boats but we're not gonna buy a boat and he goes oh yeah sure you're not gonna buy a boat so then he uh, he showed us everything from like coastal cruisers to uh, actually a catamaran because they had one in stock. And we kind of just stayed in touch with them because we weren't, we told them we're not buying a boat. Then we bought the little boat. Then when we did our four day, we did a, we ended up doing a live aboard, yep. a five day live aboard with um, an instructor over actually in, out of North Vancouver. And he had a big, it's actually from 1965 a big center cockpit boat and there were four of us on it and it was so comfortable and we were in you know for us what was high winds and it was just it felt safe unlike our boat which in 10 knots of wind just healed immediately healed to 30 degrees and just took off and so we kind of came back and said you know maybe maybe we should buy like a bigger safer boat and it just happened that max was keeping in touch with us the whole time and the fast passage came up for sale and we didn't go and look at it for like two months. And yeah, then finally think, we broke down and went and looked at it. Yeah. I think it actually went up for sale before we even bought our first boat. And he had let us know that it was there and we were going to go look at it. But then the, the previous owners decided, no, they're going to take it for one last spin before they, before they moved overseas. So it just kind of was the boat that wasn't happening. And then it just kind of stayed in the back of our head. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I we we watched the we watched the Chasing Bubbles YouTube like the YouTube documentary, which is yeah. the same. It's this isn't the Bubbles boat, but it's the same brand, and so we're like, yeah. "Whoa, this boat can go around the world!" So it could definitely handle everything that we're gonna do with it. Yeah, and so we finally broke down and looked at it, and I think we went away and said, "No, we're not gonna buy it. They want too much money." Yeah. And then we we gave a relatively low ball offer, and they took it. So. And then all of a sudden we owned two boats and only had one slip. Yeah. But without the first boat, we wouldn't have our slip. So that yeah. was because Vancouver right now is uh, there's no slips. And it was kind of like we got our money back on that boat and then we got a free slip out of it. Yeah. So it was really it, it worked out. It was kind it of one of well. those. It was a lot of luck in that one. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like it. And I was going to ask you, like, how did you get a liverbird slip in Vancouver? But that explains it. So that's, you know, not a bad strategy just buy a cheap boat that it comes with the slip. Yeah, yeah it, it worked out well. We didn't know. Well, and we didn't know. And full disclosure, we still don't know if this is a liverbird <laughs> marina. Um, yeah. We uh, we know that the boat that we owned before this, the guy lived on it for three years. Yeah. And so when that boat was 34 feet and our new boat's 40, uh, 40 feet. But then with the, all the stuff on it, I think it's like 44 feet. So I asked them and I said, Oh, we, we, you know, we accidentally bought a new boat. Can we put it in the slip? And she's like, no, it's not going to fit. <laughs> but conveniently the person we got bumped to the top of the list. So I'm sorry to everyone who was on that wait list. Yeah. The person who was in the slip that we're in left to go to Mexico and we it just, it just were everything worked out perfectly that we got a bigger slip, you know, two slips down from our original one and eh, we haven't been kicked out. So yeah, <laughs> I think we're doing, we're doing okay. So, all right. So you decide to buy this bigger boat that's 39 feet. And at what point were you like, yeah, we should live on it. It's a weird story. Uh, I, Vancouver's very, um, the real estate market's really hot and we owned our condo. 
so I don't know. I, I've said a few times that it, it was like playing chicken with life, just like we'll see what'll happen. We listed our unit for mm-hmm. a price that we thought was pretty ridiculous, and somebody came along and bought it. Yeah, at, at actually more than the ridiculous price. So then we were homeless. But we we kind of knew, hey, look, we could go live on this boat. And really, I spent most of my time here anyway, because mm-hmm. I've been like uh, refitting it, tearing stuff apart that I don't like and redoing it. So it's like, it's like, great, I can live on my toy and my biggest project. So yeah, uh, my background in IT, I've kind of built all of these systems to allow us to be able to actually work on the boat mm-hmm. really comfortably as well. So it kind of ticked all the boxes and it just seemed like a fun thing to do. So. Yeah. It gives us the, we both can work on it. So it gives us the freedom to just kind of go wherever we want and and work. And, you know, that's, I guess the good thing from the pandemic is that nobody, nobody goes into the office anymore. I think, you know, we go in here and there just so that they know we're still alive and we just spend the time working from the boat. It's also, it's a funny backstory too. because everybody wonders why I'm, like when you see my video, why why it looks that way. Yeah. So I think my coworkers are getting a kick out of it right now. It's always funny when you're doing a meeting in the summer and you're sitting in the cockpit and the background just keeps slowly changing yeah. <laughs> and people are asking what where, you know, where are you yeah. this week? Yeah, with with the first boat we did a few attempts at living uh or working on anchor. Yeah. Uh and yeah, my favorite meeting was I was talking with the, one of the COOs of one of the companies I work for and he realized I was on a sailboat, but I was motoring and he's a sailor. So he, he made me stop the meeting so that I could go get the sails up because he was really offended that we had the motor going. <laughs> there was no wind that day. Yeah. We, were, yeah. we were headed up the house sound and there were just, it was just, there was, you know, one of the days where there was no wind. Yeah. What, one of the rare days when there's no wind in house sound? I didn't know those existed. <laughs> yeah. Early in the morning, apparently yeah. there was no wind that day. It was hot. So how did you find working from, you know, whether it's on Anchor, like internet wise, when you're not, you know, attached to your nice Wi-Fi in Marina and then all that usual setup? Funny enough, right now, our setup is cellular, like yeah. what we're using right now for the podcast. Um, I I work for a development, a property development company and there's a construction company on top of that. Um, so we use these TELUS um, rural or uh, smart hubs are called. So basically a cellular modem. Uh, and then you have to kind of call TELUS and, and ask them really politely and nicely, like, hey, can you take off the limit? So it's supposed to stay in one place. But if you ask them nicely, they'll take that limit off. So basically we have a, a modem that travels around with us. Uh, so if our cell, no- cell uh, signal is good, our internet is pretty good. Mm-hmm. We have taxed it a few times if we're like running dual yeah. video meetings, but uh, yeah, we yeah. have to use a backup. Um, we'll have to use a backup cell, like one of our cell phones, if we're both running like Teams calls at the yeah. same time. But that we've gotten pretty good at coordinating our schedules so that if we have like a really meeting heavy day and one of us and we're in Vancouver, one of us can go into the office and then one stays at home or we'll just try and schedule our meetings during the day so that we're both not trying to do meetings. Um, because also yeah. it's still for, it's still 40 feet and we both talk really loud. So <laughs> in the winter, it's not feasible for someone to be working outside and the other person to be working inside. So yeah. it takes a little bit of figuring. 
So you obviously, you have lived the liverbird life now for a little while. You're still relatively new to it. And obviously you continue to work on your boat as well. But I'm wondering, has there been something that you found really surprising or kind of unexpected uh, with this lifestyle, whether it's, you know, positive or negative or just something that you didn't see coming? Um, I didn't see that like I the how much I love it. Um, we spend so much more time outside than we did when we owned our apartment, which is funny because we mountain biked. So you'd think we were outside mm-hmm. more, but now we're outside so much more um, with the boat. Like whether whether we're you know we're obviously we're out sailing or we're out because we have the dogs, so they they go for long walks every day when they didn't before (laughs) so we just seem to be outside a lot more and our days are very full like I don't know I don't know what we wasted all our time on when we lived in the apartment but it seems like we get up you know you get ready and you go to work you work and then we come home and then the next thing you know it's like oh geez I gotta go to bed because I have to get up and do it again in the morning so I just we're always doing stuff instead of just sitting around yeah I I feel like you know the we used to watch, you know, the normal YouTube kind of dreaming about, uh, you know, what we're going to do on our boat and all that stuff. And, you know, there's uh, channels like Sail Life where it's very DIY focused. Uh, I don't really watch it anymore because I'm like, I just <laughs> we're do, living it. <laughs> yeah, I do those projects all the time. So rather than watching, I'm doing it uh, like today. Uh, my lunch hour was I don't like the way that my sailing equipment is uh, wired because it's I have to turn it all on or all off. So I decided to go and tear that apart. Now I realize I need like three or four yeah. parts and that project's kind of stuck for a day. But uh, that's just kind of what happens. I end up doing a lot more. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, I'm sure it keeps you very busy anyway. But what, what condition is the boat in? Now, we didn't talk about that. You said it was in 1979. So is there a lot of work to be done? Obviously, it's sailable, it's livable. But and I know everybody's got a long boat list, but or boat chore list. But what, what's on yours? Um. So the boat is the people that owned it before us also lived aboard. Um, and they were doing a huge refit of the boat. So they replaced all the standing rigging. They replaced the engine. They replaced all the batteries with lithium. They put a whole bunch of solar in, a wind all, generator. All new electronics. A water maker, all new electronics. But they didn't do anything on the inside. Um, and it's funny. Well, we they, they did the work on the inside, but they definitely, um, they surface mounted a lot of stuff. We'll yeah. Say. they The boat... I think it, the boat was a kit boat. So it's yeah. not the finish that the traditional, all the traditional fast passages are. It was owner finished. I like to think that the the person that originally did it was like some crazy expedition guy and everything was very Spartan in the boat. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's ever really done anything with it since, or they've tried to, and it just, some stuff just didn't make sense. So most of the stuff that we have to do is just kind of like making it more yeah. comfortable for us. We did have to buy sales though, yeah. Um, that and that, that was a shock sales and an autopilot. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad that we didn't have to replace the engine, but the sales were still, <laughs> the sales were painful. Yeah, the sales were almost <laughs> as much as an, uh, as an engine. Jeez. So, um, which, Hey, that is our main propulsion. So it really, we bought a new engine yeah. in, in cloth, but yeah, a lot of the, the work that we're doing right now is, is really aesthetic 
Uh, there's some stuff like making it a little safer. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're talking about doing things like rigging uh, the uh, back to the cockpit. Uh, but as far as like the boat, we can just sail it now. It's a yeah. strong, um, it's well-built boat. That's what they're known for. And uh, yeah, I, I think it could get us wherever we want it to go right now. Yeah, we it really was one of the boats that you could just take from the dock and cruise all up and down. We all up and down the BC coast, no problem. I think because you know eventually we're going to take it further. There were things that we wanted to do, and then again because we're relatively impatient people, we're just we just piled those to the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah, well, what a good find in terms of, you know, how everything was, or a lot of the big things were new on the boat. And I bet your insurance company likes you. I've, I've just recently done a podcast on insurance and, you know, learned that they will basically love you if you have new rigging and new electronics and new sales and all that. So that that's awesome. Yeah, they. I guess they definitely want to see the investment in the boat. So it's, it's interesting. It's not a really yachty boat. And that that I didn't love at first, but now I kind of like it. Yeah. It's, it's like we're we're slowly just turning it into exactly what we want. Uh, it's a very livable space now. My favorite project was we had a Victron uh, inverter <laughs> in the middle of the salon. Yeah, it was just you know, uh, and all just and there. all of the wire to it. So I've I've now got that into it's all hidden away now, and it's just like a very nice place to live. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So I wanted to get back to how you actually learned to sail. Because you said you were in Mexico, you got the idea, like, I would go, you know, buy a sailboat. And then you learned to sail with an instructor. But you also later took a sailing course. And, and this is something I'm curious about, because I'm kind of, my plan has been to do a sailing course. However, with my, you know, timeline being compressed more and more all the time, it's almost starting to look that I may need to learn, you know, with an instructor on my boat once I eventually get it. And I'd love for you to compare those two experiences, learning on your own boat with an instructor versus doing like a more formal structured course. I liked it. The reason we, so we did the first two lessons and the, the second lesson we did with um, a guy named Glenn McKenzie and he uh, runs a sailing school and we had called him because we wanted to learn to actually maneuver the boat in and out of the marina. And then I'm also a really nervous sailor. I haven't like, I don't understand physics very well. So I have just the irrational fear that the boats, you know, there's going to be a gust of wind and we're going to capsize. And that's, you know, the boat can't possibly heal as much as it does. We're just, we're just going to die. So 
Glenn came out and we did some sailing. But she and still then, wants to be a sailor. But so I still I want to sail, yeah. <laughs> Glenn came out and he, you know, gave us some, you know, we, we did maneuvering around the marina. And then we went out for a sail. And he was much more my style where he's like, oh, the sails are up. They're trimmed nicely. We'll just sit back and relax now. And he really sold us on doing... Uh, a week-long camp I really like I really liked him he was you know he's very much a cruisers type of sailor he's very safety oriented and, mm-hmm. and we did a week's uh sail on his boat with two guys from two guys from Whistler actually two brothers and it was really nice to be on a boat for that long for that long and we just got to see all the different wind conditions we got to do things that I was too nervous to do you know I was nervous to cross the Strait of Georgia by myself. Um, so we did that, or not by myself, but just the two of us. Um, so we crossed the Strait. We went through all, a couple of different passes. So, you know, we had to time the tides correctly, which is something that I definitely wouldn't have wanted to to do without having some instruction. Yeah, I feel like that that four-day immersion was really important. Like, it taught us a lot of really important yeah. skills. Uh, one is, you know, the platform, the boat that you're on is very stable. It's very sturdy. And really, we could tell that was more of like the boat that we wanted. The Our boat at the time, the first boat, like I said, it was a this coastal cruiser a racer. And so it was really twitchy. It was very fast. Uh, it was, you know, it was built for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just we learned a ton during that uh, during that course. But I also think we had a great experience on that other boat because one thing that we were doing is just going out. Uh, and I think anybody that's trying to learn how to sail, just leave the dock and get out of there. And like, because we we knew a little bit and we made kind of easy goals. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to go to the Sunshine Coast. And so we we went to the Sunshine Coast. We sailed as much as we could. It was probably 50-50. And then our way back, we sailed this was our kind of first sail we we sailed almost all the way out of well out and around uh bowen Bowen, yeah yeah. so we tried some wing on wing and that's uh that was some uh interesting when when the wind shifted uh the accidental jive but we learned yeah uh but we we learned a lot we did that um pretty much every weekend we'd be out and we'd stay out and we try to be just learn as much as we could but i feel it it's funny because over a two-month span, we went, uh, what, about 200 nautical miles, uh, and then we did about 160 on the course. And the, the 200 nautical miles was spent over, oh, I don't know, it had to be like 10 or 15 days. We were out yeah. as much as we could, but the amount we learned on the course was just like leaps and bounds yeah. more and gave us confidence. Yeah, I came back with a lot more confidence because we did because you're out there for a week. So, and they've got a, you know, he's got a predetermined, I mean, we're going here, then here, then here, then here. And so it doesn't matter what the conditions are. You're, you're going. And it, mm-hmm. you know, last summer was a great hot, warm summer where it hardly rained in BC, but there were a couple of days where we had, I think we were out sailing in 20 knots, went 20 knots and it was close hauled yeah. the entire time. So, you know, yeah, nothing's so there, gonna. There was a point in Nanaimo where we were uh, in thirty knots, so we were told. Yeah. Um, we didn't see it on the computers, but that was kind of what they had said. Yeah. So seeing that the boat didn't just capsize. Yes. Uh, I think for Jacqueline was, 
and I was I was at the helm at that point, and um, I was enjoying the heel. I was kind of like, well, this is cool. We're going quite fast, or like the it didn't feel out of control to me. So yeah, it was. I don't know if I do that alone. I, yet, I probably but. wouldn't do it. I uh, every day in our boat, you know, with barely any reefs in. I think we had one reef in the main and a full jib out, and you know that guy knows his boat, and yeah. it's a big it's. it's bigger and heavier than this boat but it was just nice to be like to know that there's somebody like you know there's an adult in the room who knows what to do if things start to yeah. go sideways so you could feel we just learned so much more in that week yeah. and even though it wasn't on our boat it just coming back and you know coming back yeah. to this boat or you know when we got this boat it's rigged vastly differently than how our first boat was and even how uh glenn's boat was but it, we just had the confidence to know that okay, this is normal. The boat should kind of react this way in this yeah. wind condition. And, uh, and you mentioned uh, insurance. So our insurance really appreciated that we have uh, that four-day course. Yeah. Because uh, it is an accredited sail can course. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a very good point as well. And, and not that it's the main reason why I want to do a sailing course. <laughs> I want to do a sailing course so that I can learn to sail. But uh, it will definitely be something that as a you know, first time boat owner, they, the insurance company will be looking for something, right? They don't want to just insure you if you've never done anything, <laughs> any sailing. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to know, like, we, well, it was nice for confirmation that we were anchoring properly. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> this was probably about a month, you know, a month after we had been sailing. And I think we had taken a couple trips to Gambier. We were too nervous to dock the boat, so we would only ever go to places where we could anchor. Yeah, we had three, no, four solid trips yeah, under solid. our belt before we got our, had our course. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I also think like the area where you are in Vancouver area, it's not probably the best place to learn on your own just trying to wing it because there's so much going on in that area, like the winds, the traffic, all the shipping lanes and the ferries. Like that, I, I feel like trying to figure it all out like, you know, just figuring the boat out with everything else that's going on around you, that would just probably drive me crazy. Yeah. Currents were the thing that just, I had no idea. I didn't, like, we had had a few times coming up the Fraser where we'd have really weird water conditions, but no, I didn't know about Don Narrows. It didn't even dawn on me that, uh, you know, I might want to go somewhere and we would have this, like, really, like, we could, essentially uh you know hit the rocks because we're going into the wrong place at the wrong time yeah so yeah it was that's kind of things that we were taught that i just hadn't considered yeah i guess i hadn't considered that and i didn't consider a lot of things that we learned on that course like you know we do we do uh we are more halfway up we're not halfway up we're up five miles up the fraser river so we always have to go out there with all the tugboats and everything mm -hmm. and now we understand when people say oh there's wind on water when the current's going one way and the wind's going the other way the waves are huge at the end of the fraser river now we you know we know to look at the tides before we leave or um you know we know how to time our trip our way through Dodd and Arrows and, and how we can time that on either side of the, uh, you know, of the turn. So, so it was really good. I yeah. think it, like the one-off lessons on the boat were great. We learned so much more theory and stuff behind, um, especially sailing around BC. Yeah. That was really helpful. Yeah. That being said, we'll do another, we're hoping to do another, we've done one course on this boat. Uh, and I, I do hope to do another just because it, 
it's a different animal. Yeah. Um, and I, I always like drills, like, uh, you know, an instructor is going to tell me, Hey, go and try this or, you know, practice this. And that's when we went to pick this boat up, it was during the uh, Sydney boat show and it was the in water one. And we were at the Marina where they do it because we were at the yacht sales West where, where they put all their boats and it was, you know, our boats tucked in there. And I, I, our boat was the least expensive boat by many, 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 many times, yeah. many times. And they had boats like double stacked and there was no room for error. So thankfully Max had recommended again, the same people, the cruising Meraki people used, uh, I think Bruce. And he came out and we did a ton of maneuvering drills with this boat because it, you think it's only 10, 10 feet longer, but that 10 feet is yeah. huge when you're trying to that 10 feet becomes all of a sudden a hundred feet when you're trying to like maneuver around million dollar motor yachts with a whole bunch of people watching Jacqueline actually took it off the dock she I, was she, yeah. she went for it and it was uh great it was it's interesting how maneuverable big boats are uh once you kind of get the feel for it and don't panic like yeah. that's the main thing uh you know don't panic ever because the boat will do weird things if you hit the accelerator. So, yeah. And we are moving really slow. Like, I think it took a long time to get off the dock because it was just, you know, putting it in gear in reverse and letting it float back a little bit. And then yeah. there was, I'm sure a person who is much better at sailing would have been off that dock probably 10 minutes faster than we were. But, you know, yeah. we're not in a rush. Otherwise, we would have bought a different <laughs> boat. All right. So you've done a lot of learning. You're, you continue to do learning. And obviously, you've been on a holiday in Mexico. And uh, as it happens, a lot of um, West Coast sailors are eventually heading to Mexico. So I'm curious to hear what your plans are for your boat. We'll probably head to Mexico eventually. And then beyond. We've got the two dogs. So there's and they're they're older. I think they're 10, 10 and 11 now. 10 and 11 or 11, 12 and 11 yeah 11 and 12 they're yeah they're older but they're small dogs so they're probably going to live forever yeah um especially the jack russell, especially the jack russell. <laughs> and so i think we'll eventually cruise to mexico we did not buy a boat to live in vancouver in the winter it is awful <laughs> it's funny max got us onto this as well because we we talked with him about our hopes and dreams and thoughts that's really why we went for this boat like we could have went for something a lot uh smaller mm -hmm. uh less less overbuilt for offshore and so he got us onto the the uh, blue water cruising association as well so we're kind of uh, talking with sailors who have done it mm -hmm. and uh getting some opinions from them about you know how how best to get your boat ready and I think really, yeah, it's it feels like a five year plan on that side because yeah, you know, there's there is a lot of a lot to learn about all of the other things that we don't know. Like we yeah. didn't know about currents. Uh, there's probably fifty other things that we don't know. Yeah, and and because we and I guess back to the dog point because we have the dogs, we're not going to head to the South Pacific anytime soon. So we're not really in a rush to go anywhere. I guess we'll. Eventually we'll go to Mexico and eventually we'll just cruise around there until the time that we can cross the Pacific. Talk to us after next winter. Yeah. The, like winter's a little rough. Winter's tough. I don't know how many of these I can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the idea of being in tropical location where we're not constantly chasing uh, condensation problems yeah. because 
condensation is a is the most amazing thing on a boat because you think things are leaking, but mm -hmm. it's not. It's just the amount of condensation that's happening. So we've there have been times where we'll like to, we'll go and get into insulation uh, trying to find a leak. There's no leak, but no. yeah, played a lot of is it leak or is it a leak or is it condensation this winter? Yeah. I think ultimately what my dream is is to be anchored in the same little town outside of or village outside of Puerto Vallarta that hatched this whole idea. Uh, the town's called the Aleppa, and it's this really cool place. It has no cars. It's it's all little pathways, uh, and everybody's really cool. And it was, just seemed like this awesome place to you know, you you do need to catch a morning ball there. Uh, get a mooring ball and then just stay there for a while and go hang out on that beach. And there's internet, there's, yeah. there's the ability to work from home, from the beach there kind of uh, really, really, uh, you know, go for that same thing that <laughs> was that couple was doing uh, from Seattle. Yeah. Oh, that would be such a beautiful full circle moment. So that would be super cool. But let's talk about the dogs because I am also uh, a dog person and the dog will be a sailing dog eventually. So you mentioned you have a Jack Russell and what's the other one? The so other one is uh, a street dog from India. So he's just, um, they're known as Desi dogs. He looks looks like a little tiny greyhound. Um, I guess he's what? He's 45 pounds. He's 45 pounds, yeah. Yeah, so not, not tiny, but he's... Uh, he's more of a cat than a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't like the rain and he's very, he likes warm weather. So he'll be, he's going to be all about the tropics. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I thought that it was some sort of a greyhound just by its looks that I saw on Instagram. But yeah, definitely looks like a, maybe a little bit of a more warm weather dog. But uh, yeah, it's a good point about the, the winter too. Like that's, uh, that's quite the ordeal also for the animals. Um on a boat in VC, but uh, how have the dogs adjusted to living on a boat? Because you mentioned they're a little bit older, so they're not, you know, didn't learn to do it as a puppy. So how how has that been? They're pretty good. They yeah. traveled with us a lot. Um, before we had the boat, we had a, a trailer that we would road trip around with. And so they're used to living in small spaces. You know, they get a lot of peanut butter now. We yeah. bri the Bribing is something that we do yeah. a lot of. They didn't like the little boat so much because it did um, it did rock around a lot yeah. and and coming in and out of the Fraser River as soon as a tugboat would go by you'd be like tow rail little tow rail and for a couple minutes until the wake settled down and then off you'd go again yeah. and so they didn't particularly like getting tossed around the cabin so much but um, they've kind of gotten used to I think we've had the luxury of being in the marina for so long that they're just really used to getting on and off the boat on the marine on the dock and and. Yeah, jumping down the companionway and they're okay with the small space. The engine is when the peanut butter comes out because it is our engine is loud and oh. they just don't particularly. Yeah, all of a sudden like your that. your house turns into uh, you know you're in the engine room of your house, uh, so they definitely don't like that piece. But yeah, we yeah. we bribe them, we we assure them that it's okay, and uh, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, they just kind of chill out. Yeah. They, They've learned to chill out on the boat. They're treating it a lot like our house. Like say our Desi dog never comes to see us. He's yeah. just on bed uh, and he's sleeping. 
having a great time. And then our Jack Russell is always, uh, he's at our feet right now. Yeah. And, and they yeah. actually, they're really, they're really good about uh, jumping in the ding. Now they were really good about the old boat because it had a swim platform off the back. And this one is a canoe stern and we don't have, you know, we have a ladder to get into the dinghy. So yeah. that's going to be some new things to new learn, things to new learn logistics. For them. but they're really good at, you know, they, they're really good at riding in the dinghy and jumping off to go to shore and, the only thing that, yeah, the only thing that really bothers them is the engine. And one day we tried to cross the Strait of Georgia and the waves were significant. Like they're really choppy. And we ended up having to turn back. And this was the old boat. This was the so old was... boat. And they were just like, everything went from the port side <laughs> to the starboard side and back again, including the dogs. So I that don't was. I think anybody wanted to nobody be on the Nobody wanted to be on point. the boat at that point. Just, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. We've gotten over it. I think the dogs will take a little longer to get okay. over that, but. Well, look, so you are obviously a, a couple of steps ahead of me in this planning and and ahead of uh, many other people who are listening. So I would love to know if you have any tips for somebody who is looking to make this transition from land life to sailing life, just from a point of view that you've done it quite recently. I think the it sounds really easy, but just doing it is the biggest part. We, like I say, we had a weird weird thing where we we sold the condo and just kind of like so played chicken a little bit with it uh just had kind of we really did it as a fun thing but yeah i think if we had of sat and thought about it and it could have been one of those dreams that just never happened so yeah, yeah just doing it uh and trying out that that uncomfortable idea of a really huge life change hey if you don't like it you can just you know you can go back to land it's yeah. pretty easy and we didn't make it, I think the one thing that we did that I would say is we didn't make it easy on ourselves. Like we sold the apartment and we sold all of our things. And I remember talking to my mom and she's like, well, aren't you going to get a storage locker for all your furniture? And I'm like, no, we're not going to need it. We're selling it. We're going to go live on the boat. And she's like, well, aren't you going to like, you know, eventually move back into apartment? We're like, no, we're just, we're going to live on the boat yeah. now. And so we sold everything. So there was, it, we didn't make it easy to just be like, oh, we don't like this. Let's yeah. go back. Because if we decide we don't, you know, if we have a bad day too bad because we don't have any furniture if we rent an apartment it's just gonna cost us way too yeah. much money now we, so we do seem to play this particular pattern out in life anytime yeah. that we buy a house uh if we buy a home uh, we did this back in our 20s in new brunswick we feel i don't know maybe trapped or something by the the home and then we <laughs> sell everything and do something and else yeah so uh yeah it's just a, it's fun to be unburdened by all those material things yeah, that's a good point. And actually, somebody else recently said uh, to the same question, like, just become a minimalist, even when you still live in a house. So just start getting rid of stuff. So that will make the transition a lot easier. <laughs> we lived in a small apartment, and I didn't think we had that much stuff until we tried to get rid of it all. And then it was just, you know, there was a, yeah, a we're lot of still things. trying to get rid of stuff. Yeah. We have since given in and got a storage locker. Uh, but it's just there's a, a lot, lot of tools, a lot of tools in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's not a constant work, work boat, but uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's really funny. Like uh, how much stuff you accumulate that you don't really use. Yeah. So the boat is becoming very much like just stuff we use all the time. The, the storage locker has become the, uh, you know, stuff we're not touching. Yeah. And I imagine it takes a little while to learn what you actually need versus what you think you will need on a boat. Yes. Yeah. For me and the tools, it, there's a constant, like, 
it's it's a push and a pull all the time. Like sometimes I won't have what I need and then I have to go to the storage locker. It's luckily close. <laughs> um, but then sometimes I'll bring way too much. Uh, but it's uh, I'll figure it out by the time that we do decide to, you know, go offshore, we'll, I'll have it pretty dialed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the beauty of it. Then, you know, you're still, you know, somewhat safe in your home harbor. You can still test things out and learn and, and make it, uh, you know, get yourselves and the boat ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, Jacqueline and Mark, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. I really loved hearing from like a Vancouver uh, perspective to this live aboard life. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks. It was really fun. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, it's time for another milestone episode because, my friends, it will be the one-year anniversary of this podcast. I cannot believe it's been a year already. And to reflect on this with me, I am bringing in my very first guests who've also had a wild year. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the episode and I will see you next week. As always... Thank you for listening and bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.